I'm going to try and get through this message best I can. Matthew chapter 24. I've asked Ava to learn another song for me. She says she'll try. Matthew chapter 24. Before I start, I want to kind of give a disclaimer. I don't know if I call it that. I'm, I'm always hesitant about preaching eschatology or end times and uh, preaching in a way if we were all adults here then it'd be much easier but we've got young people we got teenagers um, and I don't want to preach it in a way that would discourage teenagers from living their life uh, I've learned this by experience that a preach back in the 90s and preach about end times and about the Lord coming and you know it can happen at any moment right? It can, can any day but then sometimes teenagers would say I'm never going to be able to grow up if the Lord's coming tomorrow then I'm not going to grow up. I'll never get married. I'll never have kids. Or I'll never get a job. Um, in fact, I could stop and say those aren't the most important things in life. Get married and have kids. Because one of these days you might be sorry for that. <laughs> My oldest daughter in a discussion one time, said, you know, I didn't ask to be born. And I said, no, if you had have asked, the answer would have been no. But, you know, I love my kids. But you kind of have to be careful. And, and um, I'll probably, but I want to encourage the teenagers that are here this morning, the young people, live your life. Uh, Live like there's going to be 50 more years from now. But also live your life and not realizing that death may come and get us today or tomorrow. Not just the Lord coming, but death itself. Because there have been a lot of young people that have had plans for the future that have not lived out that future. So be ready to go and then don't worry about it. Don't fret about it. Be ready if the Lord comes. But let, let life happen. Enjoy the days that you have. And so I'll say things today, no doubt, that will make you think that we all need to go outside and look up in the air because the Lord's coming. Uh, and I'll, in a disclaimer, I don't believe he's coming today. I don't believe he's coming tomorrow. I don't believe he's coming the next day. Because if I pinpointed today, he wouldn't come on that day. If I said he was coming on that day. But I believe he's coming at any moment, at any time. 
but there are things that have to be done or prepared in order for the Lord to be able to come. In fact, you probably, and I don't want to say it on in a, in a public setting like this and on Facebook, but you probably wouldn't want to know my opinion on when he is coming. And some of you probably say, yeah, I would. Well, you're not going to hear it, all right? Uh, but I do believe he could come at any moment. I do believe things are preparing for the Lord's return. I do believe things are being set up for that particular time. In chapter 24 of Matthew, uh, he gives us the signs of the end times. He gives us an illustration, and I want to read several verses there, and I'm not sure how many I will read, but I'll, I'll stop when I feel I like stopping. How's that? Uh, and Jesus went out, verse 1, departed from the temple, and his disciples and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately and saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, pestilence, earthquakes, in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended, and be, shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Woe to them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days shall be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall rise false Christ and false prophets, 
and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even to the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven. The powers of the heaven shall be shaken. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender, and put it forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise, ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the door. For verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass, till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 19. I'm going to say some things about today. I'm going to say some things about the President of the United States um, for warning you. So you that are Democrats, don't get mad at me. And you that are Republicans, don't gloat. And don't get mad either. I'm not going to say this in a political way. I'm saying this in a prophetic way, in an in eschatology. I'm going to say this in a way that um, not what I feel, but what's going on in the land today. Not in our land, but in Israel. I've always believed, and I always still believe, and will believe with all my heart from Till the day I die, and when I quit preaching, when I die, uh, that uh, the world might be the clock, but Israel is the hands on the clock. And if you want to know anything about future events or what's going on in the world on the spiritual realm or on the biblical realm, you have to look at Israel. Not at our country, not the state of the church, not how effective the church is, not how um, powerful the church is, but Israel. Because Israel is God's chosen nation. Now, people like Israel, people hate Israel. People like the Jews and they hate the Jews. They talk about, uh, it's one of those groups of people that you either love or hate. But we're commanded as Christians to love because they're God's chosen. God blesses those that bless Israel and God curses those that curse Israel. That's still in effect. That's still happening. Israel is able to do things and accomplish things 
as a little nation that no other nation is able to accomplish. And so in looking at Israel today and in the past, probably the last time that I ever preached a message similar to this was around the year 2000 or 2000, early 2000s. Uh, been a long time. So I'm going back on some remembrance of what I preached about then and talked about then and bringing it up today. I've asked Jason to help me preach today, so he's got a few things here after a while that we're going to bring up on the screen for you to be able to look at. And I'll let him know whenever I want him to look at those things. But I want you to go to Numbers chapter 19, verses 1 through 12. I'm not going to read that because of time's sake. But what you see there in Numbers chapter 19 is God giving the instruction to the nation of Israel or the Jewish people about the red heifer. The red heifer is very significant. The red heifer is, uh, is a, a, a heifer that uh, cannot be any younger than three or four years old, but it can be a little older than that. And you can read this, these verses if you'd like later on. Don't read them while I'm preaching, okay? You promise? Okay. If I catch you looking down, I'm going to holler at you. Uh, but uh, the red heifer is very significant because the red heifer, just in a nutshell, uh, has to be red. It cannot have more than two or three white hairs or black hairs or any other hairs. They want it to be 100% red. The hooves of the red heifer have to be red. And so this red heifer is to be sacrificed um, and it's to be sacrificed a certain way and mixed with certain woods and certain things. And then after, it, after it's burned on the altar, and after it's mixed with certain things, then it's mixed with pure water, and then it's made a paste out of it. And then out of that paste, they use that as a covering for sin or to purify the temple utensils of what they would use in the temple. Now, there's been two temples up to this point. The, the last temple was during Jesus' day, and he prophesied in Matthew chapter 24 that this temple would be destroyed, not one stone would be left upon another. Now, in order for Israel to be able to rebuild the temple and purify the sacramental uh, utensils that are in the temple, they must have the ashes of a red heifer. And there have been nine red heifers in the past. I'm not going to go through that with you biblically, but they're within the Bible that all nine priests that uh, were over the sacrificing of the red heifer, and it was prophesied years ago that the tenth red heifer would be from the high priest of God, the Messiah himself would reign over that and rule over that in the sacrificing of the tenth 
red heifer. And so the red heifer is very, very significant. The red heifer must be absolutely perfect in its redness. It cannot have any uh, discolored hairs at all. Uh, it would disqualify. The hooves have to be red. It has to be at least, as I said a little while ago, three to four years old, even though it can be a little bit older or it could be older if they wanted it to be or if they had it to be. It had to be free of any internal and external deformities. It could not be sick. It could not have a cut on it. It could not have a blemish on it. It couldn't have a sore on it. It couldn't have a pink eye. It couldn't have anything. It's got to be perfect in every way. And it must not have been used at any time for physical labor. It could not have had a yoke put on it at any time. And so this red heifer was very specific and God was going to use it specifically as he did in the past. Now, they would keep this ashes of the red heifer outside the camp. And whoever would go out and get the ashes to bring in and mix with water was considered unclean for the rest of the day, had to take a bath, wash his clothes, and do a lot of things. So there was a lot of things uh, ceremonially that this red heifer uh, had to uh, go through. They are now practicing. They are right now, this very day, since for a couple of years now, practicing sacrificing a heifer. They're right now practicing sacrificing and mixing the, the biblical instructions uh, with another heifer. They are practicing this uh, on a regular basis. Now, I may get ahead of myself here a little bit. I'm trying to kind of pace myself. Don't want to get too excited, even though I get excited about this. Uh, they are, they have for now for several years, I remember back in the 90s, Jeff, he may have read a lot on this as well in his studies, but, but back in the 90s, there was a, a cattleman in Texas uh, that believed that he had the perfect red heifer. Uh, and the people from Israel and some of the priests from over there, the Orthodox Jews, came over here and went over it with a fine-tooth comb and with a magnifying glass, and it had a couple of off-colored hairs, and it was disqualified. And I won't tell you all of the things that over the years there have been people that have been purposely breeding to, to get the perfect red heifer. Today, as we're standing here, they believe they have two lined up that qualify to be the red heifer. That, uh, and they are preparing those two as we speak uh, for that particular purpose. They're not, uh, what I understand, they're not old enough yet but they are looking at them and keeping them up and protecting them so that they would qualify. They have prepared all of the temple utensils 
to this point. They have all of the priest's garments at this point. They have everything that they need in order to be able to start into temple worship. Jason, will you put up the altar for me? Back just a couple of years ago, uh, uh, they have been trying for several years to establish a Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin uh, was, uh, Moses established the Sanhedrin in his day, and he selected 70 elders and himself to be judges and lawgivers over the nation of Israel. Just a couple of years ago, Israel selected and appointed a Sanhedrin of 70 elders in Israel. That is the first time in nearly 1,600 years Israel has had a Sanhedrin. That's significant. That Sanhedrin has been over the establishment of the temple utensils and the temple rules and the, and the preparation for the temple. Do you have another one of the altar pictures? You can see the altar to the right over here. Do you have another picture of it? One that's more dead center? Hang on a minute. They built this altar. It is temple ready. They built this altar to the, to the specifications of the Old Testament as God gave to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. They built it temple ready. It weighs four and a half tons. And if, if he finds another picture, there's a ramp up to the altar that weighs two ton by itself. This altar that they have built is for the new temple, the third temple that will be built that the Antichrist and the Messiah will, will go into. But yet how that uh, these men that are standing there, many others as well, they dedicated this altar back on December the 10th, 2018. They dedicated this for the temple and for God's use. They practiced sacrificing lambs, sheep on that altar already. They have practiced uh, offering grains, wine, and olive oil uh, on that altar. And they are preparing uh, themselves to be able to dedicate that offer, off, uh, that altar, uh, when they get the ashes of the red heifer. And so they have selected uh, 70 elders of Israel. There's another view of it. They have selected 70 elders of Israel to serve as the Sanhedrin. One of, they would have had 71. That would in Moses' time was him. And what they're saying is they're reserving that 71st position for the high priest of God, the Messiah. And so when he comes, he will sit as the judge and he will sit on uh, the, uh, there as the, the temple altar uh, was dedicated in 2018 on the last day of Hanukkah, which Hanukkah means dedication. 
they practice all of these things on that altar, and they they give. All right, now uh, they're preparing for the rebuilding of the temple. It is very very close. In fact, the organization uh, have a publication that they are an organization that is. They believe that they will see the temple built in their lifetime. Now, the only thing that's stopping them from starting the temple is there on the Dome of the Rock or the Temple Mount is a Muslim mosque. And they can't do anything until that Muslim mosque is gone. And so that's holding them up. Hard to tell how long that'll be. And so this organization has minted three coins in celebration and to be able to sell, to raise money, to go toward temple tax and to go toward rebuilding the temple. They have made three coins. They have minted three coins over the last several years. Two of those coins are very significant for today. The third one is very significant. Jason, would you put up the coins? There on the back of that coin is the design of the new temple. And you can see it says the temple coin. It's got some Hebrew on it, uh, and it's got a dove signifying some things. And I'll, I'll read you here um, as far as the dove is concerned. Uh, let me see if I can find it. The coin calls for the continuation of the ingathering of the Jewish exiles from all the corners of the globe, like doves coming back to their nest, to the land of Israel, Jerusalem, and the temple, and to peace in the world through the establishment of the third temple and the realization of the prophetic vision. The dove is the universal symbol for peace is holding an olive branch in its beak, and it appears flying toward the temple. And as the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 60, verse 8, said, Who are these that float like a cloud, like doves, to their nest? And so, if it's, as it's answered in this particular text, in Hebrew, English, and Arabic, it describes the people coming back to the land of Israel, to the house of peace. Now, back about 2,500 years ago, King Cyrus was a king of Persia. Uh, they pretty much ruled the world in that day. Israel was in captivity, and King Cyrus made a declaration to allow the nation of Israel to go back to their homeland, and he offered to help them rebuild their temple. That would have been the second temple, the one that Jesus stood in, the one that he was talking about, how the, the walls would be knocked down. Now, that temple was built and, and overlaid with gold and silver. And so when the armies came in and destroyed that temple in 70 A.D., that... Uh, that how that when they set it on fire, the gold and silver 
melted down through the cracks of the stones. And so the king told the soldiers, you can have whatever you can dig up. And so they knocked the stones over and dug the gold and silver out of the cracks of the stones, and that's why the walls were knocked down. Now, they honored King Cyrus on a couple of the other coins, but on the third coin, in celebration of the 70 years that King Cyrus gave to the nation of Israel after they were in captivity for 70 years and set them free, in 1948, Israel was allowed to go back to their homeland. In 2018 was 70 years. Donald Trump proclaimed that the U.S. Embassy would be put in the rightful capital of the nation of Israel in Jerusalem. And that they had a right to build their temple in the city of Jerusalem. Would you turn that coin around? On the front of that coin, the third mint, is Donald Trump's bust. To fulfill 70 years. On the second mint, his picture is also on there, his outline. But this one was made in honor of his decoration of what he has done for the nation of Israel and the things that he has done. Benjamin Netanyahu said, I want to tell you that the Jewish people have a long memory. So we remember the proclamation of the great King Cyrus, the great, the Persian king 2,500 years ago. He proclaimed that the Jewish exiles in Babylon could come back and rebuild our temple in Jerusalem. We remember a hundred years ago, Lord Balfour, who issued the Balfour Proclamation that recognized the rights of the Jewish people in our ancestral homeland. We remember 70 years ago, President Harry S. Truman was the first leader to recognize the Jewish state. And we remember how a few weeks ago, President Donald Trump recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Mr. President, this will be remembered by our people throughout the ages. In a Jewish publication, the 70 year fulfillment, the 70 years redemption coin, this coin was produced in praise of and to honor 70 years of Israel's independence. The message on the coin calls upon 70 nations to accompany the Jewish people on their journey to establish the Holy Temple as a place of peace. To express joy and gratitude to President Donald Trump for moving the American Embassy to Jerusalem, the Great Seal of America was minted on the coin next to Trump's image to the writer. This is in their quote in their Jewish publication. President Trump is advancing a prophetic process that will usher in when the time comes the rebuilding of the third temple. 
the Jewish people believe that Donald Trump prophetically is there in position for them to be able to rebuild the third temple. It is as if he is following in the footsteps of King Cyrus, who pronounced after 70 years of Jewish exile that Hashim, the Lord of the world, charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem. I look beyond the political things that are going on within our society today. I've always believed whether I'm right or wrong doesn't make a bit of difference. But I believe I'm right. I'm the one preaching, so that's who it's important to. I believe I'm right. I believe from the very start. I believe this. God establishes governments. He sets them up and he tears them down. The Bible says that. God sets up kings and he tears them down. God says that. He puts them on the throne. He takes them off the throne. I believe he still does that. I believe that every president we've had over the years has been why God wanted. But this man more than any other man, whether you like him or not, it doesn't make any difference to me. I believe that God put him there for a reason. Now, it's not political. It's spiritual. I believe that he's there for a reason, just as I believe Obama was there for a reason, just as I believe that Bill Clinton was there for a reason, just as I believe that others were there for a reason. But in this day in which we live right now, coinciding with all of the things that are going on, I believe that God has put him there for a reason. Some people believe, because of the Jewish recognition of him, that he would be the next Antichrist. I don't believe that person. But I believe that he's there for a reason. In fact, I, we've got a mute uh, prayer. Oh, thank you, Larry. I've got a preacher friend that has spent over the last several years a cumulative about two years in Jerusalem and in Israel. And the last time he was there, he told us that uh, the the higher-ups in, in the government over there, which he has gotten to know real well, have told him, Trump is not your president. He's ours. While I grant you there's a whole lot of people over here that wish he was their president. But they said, he's our president. They told him, looked at him in the face and said, God has put him on in position in America to be a blessing to the nation of Israel as no other president has. There, we're seeing things that are taking place in the world around us. We're seeing things take place in end time. Now, anybody that wants one of those coins, you can go online and buy on the Jewish website. Now notice they're on eBay as well. I have one. I didn't buy mine online. If any of you would like to look at it personally and hold it, this is half a shekel. About 50 cents 
is what is worth literally. But online, I've seen them for about $100. I've seen some for $50. You can buy all three of the mints of the coin online. But to me, this is significant for prophetic things, for what's taking place in the world today is bigger than what we see here in America. When we look at the nation of Israel and see the things that are taking place there and the preparations that are being made there, I don't believe it's long before the Lord comes. Now, it may not be for several more years, but we're running out of time. You and I are running out of time. And the Bible says, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is, exhorting one another even so that much more as you see the day approaching. So Israel is ready to build with the plans on the back of the coin. And they have the altar, and they have all of the utensils, they have all of the priest garments, and all they're waiting on is the red heifer. And believe me, if they get all of that, they'll take the Dome of the Rock. They'll take the Temple Mount. And if all of that is prepared, then we as a church better be prepared as well. We as Christians better be prepared as well. He says, exhorting one another, even so the much more as you see the day approaching. Sixteen churches a day closed down in America. Baptist churches. Sixteen a day lock their doors. Church, we ought to be exhorting people. I, I, when I read Matthew chapter 24, uh, Jenny and I were reading some stuff online last night, and, and people are so hateful, so, so full of hate. It's not a matter of just disagreeing with each other, but it's hateful, hatred. I mean, if you don't agree with me, I hate your guts. If you don't agree with me, you're, you're the dumbest thing that ever walked. If you don't agree with me, why, well, you'd be better off dead. I watched a video the other night. Somebody was, uh, was politicking for Trump. And a liberal walked up to him and said, all of you ought to have your throat slit. Every one of you Republicans ought to have your throat slit. Every one of you people, uh, conservatives, ought to have your throat slit. That's uh, so hateful. And Matthew chapter 24 tells us that hatred is going to abound. People will get hateful and hatred toward each other. As you see the day approaching, we ought to be exhorting one another even so much more. What am I saying? You ought to come to church. Amen, preacher. You tell them. And you ought to be exhorting other people to come to church. 
We ought to be exemplifying and, 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 and being an example of God's love and of God's forgiveness. And uh, we ought to be sharing that with other people instead of being so hateful about it. It's being said when you see the fig tree starting to bud, these things are new. Folks, what I told you this morning, the fig tree is budding. We're running out of time. Stand with me, please. Father, as we come before you, Lord, may we understand, may we realize, wow, that there's always a bigger picture. There's always a purpose and plan. We, we get so wrapped up in our own little problems and our own little things that, God, we think our world revolves around us and we think that we're the most important person within our world and, and God, sometimes we just need to realize it's bigger than all of us. You have a plan and you're going to fulfill that plan and you've used people, you've used wicked kings, you've used wicked leaders, you've used people before that that I would even give them the time of day. In fact, Lord, sometimes I wonder why you even use me. Because I wouldn't waste my time with me. But every one of us are special and significant. That you look down and saw there was something special in every one of us. Every one of us that are saved, you saw something unique. You saw something special. You saw something worthy. You saw something that was worthwhile in every one of us. Because Jesus died for us. So God, because Christ died for us, may we live for you. May we understand that we need to be ready. And again, I say plan for the future, but yet boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Today is the day of salvation. Don't say that we're going here or there, but if the Lord will. And God, if I live another five or six years, I intend to preach that five or six years. If I live another ten years, I intend to preach those ten years. And I'm going to live my life, and I'm going to enjoy my life, and I'm going to have fun in my Christian walk, and I'm going to enjoy the trip. But God, may I have this firm understanding that Jesus could come at any moment, at any time. 
and I need to be ready. You talk about coming as a thief in the night. You're not going to sneak up on me because I'm looking for you. I don't believe you're going to sneak up on Christians and believers because they're looking for you. You don't go come as a thief in the night to those that are watching and those that are longing and those that are looking. God help us to be so involved with it that we be encouraging others that are, whether they're at work or whether they're on the ball field or whether they're in school or wherever they may be, be ready. Get ready, because Jesus has come. God, if there's one here today that's not ready, I pray that they'll get ready. I pray, Father, that today will be the day. And I pray, God, move for your glory. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.